All right, back in Galatians chapter 6 tonight, Galatians chapter 6, and I'm using the pulpit mic, Cody, I didn't put the other one on, but that's okay, I just will stay put tonight, Galatians chapter 6, I want to focus in on a part of the passage of scripture that I didn't spend a lot of time on this morning, but there's a lot, a lot of things here that we need to know, and that is the concept of deception and deception that takes place all around us uh, in the spiritual realm of things. So let's, uh, let's reread our passage of Scripture from this morning, Galatians chapter 6, beginning in verse 7. Paul says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Let's pray together tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to be back here in your house tonight to look uh, deeply into your word. I pray that you would uh, speak to our hearts and and use me to deliver the message that you'd have for each of us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So we do live in a society of deception. I hope you know that. You just look around. It doesn't take long at all. You turn on the TV, uh, read the newspaper. If anybody, A few people do that still, I think. Uh, we were talking about the newspaper this morning back here in the back corner. Uh, Danny's back in the back. But he and we were having a discussion about the newspaper. And uh, a lot of deception around. You'll hear the term a lot, fake news, right? I was scrolling Facebook today. There was a story about a 13-foot alligator being pulled out of the Lake Columbia swimming area, and it was from Channel 24 News, and I thought, there's not a Channel 24 News. That's fake news. Deception is all around us in the world, and it certainly all around us in our spiritual world as well. So what does it mean to deceive? What is this deception that Paul is talking about in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7? Well, just at its core, the, our definition, a worldly definition of to deceive is to cause someone to believe something that's not true, typically in order to gain some personal advantage. So remember, where deception is concerned there is always some other person or some other force trying to gain an advantage. From a scriptural standpoint, this word deceive in verse 7 means to be led astray. So there are, there are forces in the world. The Bible is very clear all throughout scripture. There are forces present in the world even today trying to deceive us, trying to, to lead Christians astray, trying to destroy our testimonies, trying to destroy our ability to be effective for the kingdom of God and trying to uh, prevent us from being able to point people to Jesus. So tonight, just take, I want to take just a very few moments to look at this idea of deception and uh, two key components, two key points about it. The first I want us to see is the source of deception. And Paul points some things out here in his letter to the Galatian church. Back in chapter 3, verse 1, he talks about deception, uses the word bewitched, meaning the same thing as deception. 
He says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified, this only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Now, Paul knows the answer to that question. And the answer to that question is they received the truth through faith. For by grace are we saved through faith, right? That's what Paul teaches over in, to the Ephesians. The Galatians had a hard time getting uh, kind of stuck on trying to fulfill the Mosaic law, getting hung up there. It was a big hang-up for them. A lot of false teachers coming in and trying to say, you know, you still have to fulfill the works of the law in order to get to heaven. And we know that's absolutely not true. We do good works because we're saved. We don't do good works in order to be saved. And that strategy, that, that strategy of false teachers and, and uh, other spirits telling us, hey, you can't get to heaven without good works, that's still a very dangerous thing today. You know, Satan wants people to believe they can work their way to heaven. He really does, because the more Satan can convince you and I that we have to work our way to heaven, the more we depend on us and the less we depend on Jesus Christ. It's a great danger when so-called religious teachers teach these falsehoods. False teachers in the church are dangerous. Paul warned them of that in Galatians chapter 3. He called them foolish for even believing the teachings of the false teachers. But you know, for the most part, I think most Christians who are at least halfway tuned in to God's word can figure out when Satan is trying to deceive them. Kind of like all I had to do was look and see Channel 24 News and I knew that story was fake before I ever looked any further into it about the alligator. We can spot, a lot of times we can spot Satan's deceptions. And we can usually tell when somebody's coming at us and teaching us something or trying to teach us something strictly for their own benefit. But the most dangerous thing and what Paul tells them to watch out for in chapter 3, the most dangerous thing is when someone teaches false truths or untruths in the name of being uh, a teacher of God. John MacArthur put it this way. He says it a lot better than I just did. He says it's always been and will continue to be false teachers who claim to teach in God's name who are the most destructive. The most destructive person in the life of a Christian is a false teacher who gains influence over us and claims to teach in the name of God. And it's not going to get any better. It's gotten worse since then. It's going to continue to get worse. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 13, he said, But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And just think, you know, that was um, roughly 2,000 years ago. It's gotten worse and worse. Matthew wrote in his gospel in chapter 24, uh, verse 24, he quotes Jesus as saying, For false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even to the elect, even to those who are saved. Because we're promised false teachers will be in our midst, 
we have to take responsibility for our own beliefs. And no matter how much we trust the guy standing behind the pulpit, no matter how much we think of the preacher we see on TV or listen to on the radio, or no matter how much we trust the the author of a book we may read, we have a responsibility to not be deceived. We have a responsibility to check it out ourselves. Paul wrote in his letter in 1 Thessalonians, he says, test everything. Chapter 5, verse 21, test everything. Check out everything you hear preached. Check out everything you read. Don't just take somebody's word for it. I've heard it said that an untaught believer is a weak believer and is therefore a vulnerable believer. You see, really, when it comes right down to the core issue, if you, if you are deceived or if I am deceived, there's only one person to blame. And that's the person that we see when we look in the mirror. It is our responsibility as Christians to make sure we are not vulnerable to false teachings. So we've got to beware of false teachers. We've got to be vulnerable of Satan. That's his game. John said in his gospel that, he is the, that Satan is the father of lies. But the number one threat for deception may come from a surprising source right here within. The number one threat for deception, again, coming from the person that you and I see when we look in the mirror, the person that you brush your teeth with, so to speak. Several scripture, scriptural references point us to this. Over in 1 John chapter 1, John said, if we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves. If we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves. You know, there's Christians who believe that. I think I've told you the story before about a great aunt that I have that lives way off that my sister wrote on her Facebook status that I'm just a sinner saved by grace, quoting the lyric of that song. And this great aunt that lives off in another state wrote, oh, honey, We're saved by the blood of Jesus. We're not sinners. I wrote back and said, yes, you are. (laughs) Sorry, but it's in the Bible. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves. One of the greatest lies that Satan wants us to believe is that we don't need Jesus. He wants us to believe we can make it on our own, He wants us to believe we can earn our own way to heaven. But we're also deceived if we think we can get out of the work part. Again, we don't work to become saved. We work because we are saved. Another scriptural reference you can look at later as you're verifying all this for yourself, as you should, is James chapter 1, verse 22. And James writes there, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. If you sit here and you're a hearer only, if you come to church and you hear the word of God preached, if you turn on the TV or the radio and you hear it preached, maybe even if you pick it up and you read it for yourself and you hear the word of God and you put it down and never apply it, James says you are deceiving yourself. You are deceiving yourself. When he says that in James chapter 1, verse 22, be doers of the word, He doesn't say, do the word. 
He doesn't say, oh, Jesus says to do this, do it. No, he says be doers. Okay, there's a big difference in doing something and being a doer of something. That doer, that characterizes your entire life. That is your entire character that you are a doer, not someone who just did something one time. If you look, depending upon what uh, translation you have, that word deceive may be uh, translated delude. And it gets tough for me here because that's a mathematical term from the original Greek. That word translated delude or deceive was a mathematical term. And, you know, I don't do math if you know me. But here's the thing. Those who are comfortable only hearing the word and not doing it have made a terrible miscalculation about their, the, what's required of them as believers. But one more thing, one more area where we deceive ourselves is in Galatians chapter 6. Just above where we read from our main text, look in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Bear one another's burdens. And if you don't think you need anybody else's help, you're deceiving yourself. That's what Paul says. We all go through rough times. We all go through tough patches. We had multiple members of our church. We had two different church members lose their father this last week. You know what? It's our job to be there to help them bear the burden. This family that lost their home in a fire last night, what were we doing taking up the offering? We were helping them bear the burden. If any of them steps back and says, I don't need your help, they're deceiving themselves. You know what? We all need each other's help. That's one of the reasons that God placed us together in this community known as the local church so that we could help bear one another's burdens. And we're deceiving ourselves if we ever say, I don't need your help. So we have the source of deception. Could be others, could be false teachers. It is certainly Satan himself. And unfortunately, sometimes the source of the deception comes right from within us. Here's why it's so important to know the source of the deception. You ever tried to fix a leak and you really didn't know where it was coming from? They tried that with the bus windows, apparently, for a while. You know, right after we, right after we got the bus, the windows were leaking, and they kept, we couldn't get it to stop leaking, and we just sent it back to the factory, you know, back uh, earlier in the year, and they ripped all the windows out, put new windows in, because they couldn't find the source of the leak. You can't stop a leak if you don't know where it's coming from. Maybe you're constantly finding yourselves being deceived. You need to find the source so that you can fix it, so you can ask God to help you fix it. So if once you find the source, of course, we have to know the, the danger of the deception. And the danger of the deception comes in verse 7. It says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. 
Remember this morning I told you that means God will not allow himself to be mocked. And then he immediately follows that with the, with the law of the harvest of sowing and reaping where he says whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. You mock God, you reap judgment. And he goes on to say that in verse 8. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. Sows to the flesh. It's giving in to evil desires. Corruption. That, the word here that's translated corruption is like a plate of food that's decaying. You ever watch the Food Network? Love the Food Network. And they put out some beautiful plates, don't they? Stuff that, I mean, it looks too fancy. That I don't even want to eat it. I mean, it's like, I don't know what that is, but it sure looks pretty. And I'm sure it's edible, even though they cook stuff sometimes that I said, nope, no way I'm putting that in my mouth. But it sure looks pretty. What happens if you leave it there for a week? What happens if you leave it there for two weeks? Well, if we come back six months later and that plate's been sitting there, anybody still going to eat it? No, what's happened to that food? It's become dangerous, hasn't it? It's become like a poison. You eat it, you're probably going to get sick fairly quickly, I would assume. You see, that's what happens when we sow to the flesh. We poison ourselves. We turn beautiful what, what Christ has done in our lives. Remember, he's writing to a church. He's writing to saved people. And Christ has done this beautiful thing in our lives when he saved us. And it's like that plated food, just an absolutely beautiful dish. He's done this beautiful thing in our lives. And then we continue to sow to the flesh. And all we do is destroy it. All we do is poison it. And too often we just think about the big sins when we think about sowing to the flesh. You know the big sins. I don't have to tell you what they are. It's whatever popped in your mind. And you know those things are sowing to the flesh, but so are the little ones. The little ones that we don't realize we're doing a lot of times, kind of like when our prayer meeting turns into a gossip group. Or kind of like when, uh, well, I won't go through the list, but you know, the little sins. The ones that you would probably squirm around a little bit if I started naming too many of them. And I might squirm around some too. We need to think about the little ones that we commit every day. But don't want to admit that, oh, maybe that really is against God. You see, those things are sowing to the flesh and are just as destructive as the big sins. But on the other hand, verse 8 continues. I'm glad he didn't stop there. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Everlasting life. Eternal life. Not just forever in heaven. Certainly that's eternal life. But the highest quality of life now, not going to all be roses, but it's full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, the fruit of the Spirit that we read about, oh, just a chapter back in Galatians chapter 5. He's talking about sow to the Spirit. 
By how do we sow to the Spirit? Hmm. By doing the good. We talked about that this morning. By doing the good. So be careful. Be vigilant. We've got to look out for the pitfalls of deception. Especially, I think, deceiving ourselves. Whether we're allowing ourselves to be deceived by others or whether we're deceiving ourselves, there's a price to pay for being deceived. Because deception, when we are deceived, it is never someone else's fault. It is always our own fault when we allow ourselves to be deceived. But there's a glorious reward for living a life of sowing to the Spirit. And that's pictured in verse 9 that we looked at this morning. And let us not grow weary while doing good, while doing the good, while doing the good that only comes from him. For in due season we shall reap. The harvest will come if we do not lose heart. Is there anything before we dismiss tonight?